Before we start our pit preview, I want to ask Robbie what he's drinking. Uh, I'm drinking the Hopsecutioner, and I think we we may have had this on the podcast once before, but it's um, it's it's a decent IPA. I would actually characterize it on the lower the lower spectrum. If you had to put it in quadrants, it would be on like the uh, the two thirds of the or two fourths. It's Terrapin, right? Yeah, Terrapin Brewing Company. They make the High Five, which you have had on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I can't say for a fact whether we've had the Hopsecutioner, but I know there was a couple Terrapins we had back when yeah. we were recording at your place. It's pretty malty, I would characterize. I, it's really not that much of an IPA is how I would characterize it. It's got a significant amount of malt, which does not ever, ever go well for me. I am drinking the Spaten. It's a Oktoberfest, um, and it's, their, it's their, basically their house beer. It's their main Oktoberfest. It's very smooth. It's a it's a dark colored Oktoberfest. It's not the same consistency as like a, a Sam. It's got less malt than that. It's very crisp, but it's it's really good. I like it. It's the Spaten Oktoberfest. We're about to get into our pit preview. This is a team that has troubled me, Robbie. This is someone that has caused us a lot of problems, especially on the road over the years. And it starts, I guess, with their defense, Pat Narduzzi being their head coach. That's something that has always been a concern. But this year, that's not the story with Pitt. No, it's their defense has been abysmal. It's, it's been really, really bad. Uh, it, I mean, they're 5-2 and two on the year. They have wins over Villanova, Penn State. The Penn State game was actually pretty good. They played well in that game offensively, defensively, not so much. Marshall, GT, and UVA. Screw UVA. Losses against Oklahoma State, and that was actually another game that was actually pretty good. They haven't lost by much this year. That was 45-38, and then the UNC game. And we know UNC is a pretty good team. You know, you, you take out the Hurricane game and what they did last week. They've, they've been pretty good. They lost that game. It was 37-36. So I think their record may indicate that this is actually a better team than most people would think if you just looked at their record and what's going on. So it frightens me a little bit. If you look at who Pitt has lost to over the last few years, and I, I guess under, the, or under Narduzzi, so over the last two years, they went 8-5 and five last year. Every loss was a quality loss. Like They didn't lose to bad teams. Every bad team they wiped the floor with. And if you remember, and I know you do because you watched the game and you told me about it, they took Iowa to the wire, who was a borderline playoff team. If they had beaten Michigan State, they would have been in the playoff. Their only two losses this year, again, are to high-quality teams. So Narduzzi has them playing at a high level. I'm not sure what's wrong with the defense. But let's start with their offense first. And they got this quarterback, Nate Peterman. He came in last year. I believe he's a transfer. Taking over for Wojtek, who actually transferred out of the program. And we're happy to see that because Wojtek causes problems not only last year, but the year before. He a lot of problems. <laughs> they were using the dual system last year in the rain-soaked game in Blacksburg where we had 100 yards of offense. And, I, I you know, it, it's painful for Bud Foster to have to deal with two quarterbacks, and he did it against ECU and Pitt last year. Yeah. 
I mean, the the S&P Plus, which we go back to a lot on the offensive side of the ball, they're ranked as number 28 team on the offensive side. Number 25 with respect to points per game, which you usually don't see those line up that much. So they're they're producing on the offensive side of the ball. Their pass success rate is nearing the top 25 in the nation, which Nathan Peterman is not he's not a world beater, but he's been productive this year. And it's a little bit frightening to actually see him be productive. You know, what they're doing is they're maximizing their opportunities in the red zone. They're like 93% in the red zone. So that's one of the reasons their points per game is so high. But I will say that Nate Peter, Peterman, I keep messing this up, but Nathan Peterman, I believe is his name. He's extremely efficient. 150 passer rating, 73 QBR, which is 26th in the nation. So he's he's right on that top 25 fringe in terms of quarterbacks. And you wouldn't think that from a pit quarterback. You think of their running game, but what he does is he only he has to pick his spots because they run the ball so much. And that's going to be my next point that he can be a, so he can be a more efficient because he has such a solid running game and such a solid offensive line. Let's talk about James Conner. This is the story of the ACC. If it's if not it's the a story nation. of the decade, I mean it's incredible. I can't believe that not only. Everyone knows that he beat cancer. We've all heard that story. He beat Hodgkin's lymphoma, if you're not aware, over this offseason. It's an incredible story. He was practicing in one of those masks all spring. And the motherfucker had cancer and came (laughs) back, like, literally had cancer during the offseason. Like, at the end of the season, came back and still is productive this year. How, I, I mean... And my wife's sitting here laughing at me saying that, but it's true. Like He showed the resolve to not only put in work to get himself healthy again, but to put in work and actually be productive on the football She's field. She's laughing in disbelief because yeah. it, it's amazing. I, not only that, do you remember that he actually hurt his knee in the first game when he was out for the season? That's the only reason they found the he had cancer. an MCL. Right. So not only did he come back from cancer, he came back from a knee injury, and he might be the best he's ever been yeah. because he slimmed down a little. Naturally, he had a port put in to get chemotherapy and had to throw up every time he had it. it that'll cut weight. That'll cut some weight. And guess what? He's still 235 and six foot two. James Conner. 531 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. He also played as a defensive end against UVA last week. He does it all. He's an absolute monster, and I I wish he was on tech because he would be my biggest man crush if he wore maroon and orange. He's uh, fantastic, and behind him he has a lot of depth too. I think that the other running backs on there, first of all, you have Quadri Olison, who we talked about before the preseason he has actually not been as productive as maybe we they thought haven't he needed was. him. They haven't needed him exactly. And then you have the freshman, Chantez Moss. He came out of nowhere. He's taken some of the load. He has thirty-six carries for two hundred and twenty-three yards, five point three per carry, and he only has one touchdown. But he's spelling James Conner in the right way to let him be productive in this offense. He might have the best name in the country and Sean Tez. I can't even. Or the most difficult to spell (laughs) if you had to just hear the name. I'm not sure I'm getting it right. Their X factor on offense is absolutely Quadri Henderson. And that's not to be confused with 
Kadri Olison that Robbie just mentioned. Kadri Henderson, 5'8", 190, not a big guy. He's actually from my hometown in Delaware. He went to a neighboring high school. He's a monster. He does it in every aspect of the game. Receiving, running. He has, what is it, four touchdowns total. And then he also is, I think it's second in the nation in kick returns in terms of average. So he's special teams, running, receiving. He is their X factor. He's someone that's absolutely going to cause tech problems. I guarantee he scores a touchdown next week. There is not a doubt in my mind. It just depends on what side of the ball. Is it going to be <laughs> offense, special teams? Hell, put him on defense. This guy can score no matter what. Uh, junior, uh, Jester Wa- I guess it's Way, I guess you would pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, Jester Way, yeah. Yeah, he's had a solid year. 30 receptions, 402 yards, 13 and nearly 13 and a half per reception and four TDs. He's a target overall for this D, for this offense about 20% of the time. A big downfield threat, and that's what we need to watch against him. Also, about 20% of the time, 40% of this offense is lined up between him and then the senior, Scott Orndoff, who is also a really big target for, for this offense. It's it's a quite a tandem. It's a little bit dangerous. It really is, man. I mean, the things they do on offense, this team has so many playmakers that it's kind of shocking they're not better than they are. The names that Pitt puts out, they're, they're littering the SI All-American list. Quadri is one. Dorian Johnson, their offensive lineman, also, like, their offensive line has been un- unbelievable this year. Seventh in time of possession, eighth in sacks allowed. And Pitt is converting in the red zone, as I said earlier, 93% of the time. That is all on that offensive line. They barely give up any sacks. Like, Dorian Johnson, All-American. He was from Pennsylvania. They got him over us. They got him over a lot of teams. Everything that they do offensively comes from their offensive line and from their running game. If we can bottle that up, which I think Bud has shown a propensity for being able to bottle up running games that are traditional running games, we will be okay against Pitt. It's one of the most highly experienced offensive lines that exists in, 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 definitely in the ACC, if not in the country. And they've shown it this year in their offensive production. So I think this game really comes down to what they're going to do on the defense. It's It does. Before we get into the defense, can we take these car bombs that Hokey Joe just bought us? What? (laughs) All of a sudden, just car bombs show up. Hokey Joe just shows up. The story of this defense has been their front seven. Their D-line is something to be worried about. Ewan Price has nine sacks on the season. He's leading the country. He's getting over a sack a game. Like He's it, a fucking monster. He I really mean, is. He really is. It's 13 just, tackles for loss. Half of the tackles he's made on the year have been in the backfield. Roy Blair is another guy we should worry about on the defensive line. Four and a half tackles for loss. Three and a half sacks. Shakir Soto. He's someone else. The thing about Pitt this year is they've been so banged up. Again, Miami had injuries on the defensive line. So has Tech. But... This is something that we've gotten lucky. We've been luckier than Pitt. We've been luckier than Miami. They have taken on a lot of injuries in their linebacking core and on their defensive line, and this is a susceptibility to them. In terms of the linebacking core, Galambos, that's a guy we talked about last year. He's a huge problem, and 
I'm going to mess up this name. It's the longest and weirdest name. Oluwashan Idawawu. Five tackles per game this year. Say that again. Yeah, exactly. He goes by Sean, so we're going to go with that. Sean Oduwawu is one of their best linebackers. And Bam Bradley, you remember, as well as Mike Caprara. Like, they have a lot of linebackers. They don't don't even play a a 3-4. They play a 4-3, but they have multiple linebackers that make an impact in every game yeah uh, i i they're I, th- I think their front line is actually pretty good their defensive backs are a freaking disaster it's really a problem back it's there been a disaster they're they have struggles they basically their top three tacklers and this is how you look at stats and i had to take a minute to think about this their top three tacklers on the entire team are their defensive backs what do you think that says? That's never a good thing. That's not a good thing. It's not that's, good. That's, when you see that, all of a sudden you're like, holy hell, this is where we can actually make some effort in this game. Each of them has an interception. Well, no wonder, because everybody's just passing on you all the time. So you can't take the stats at face value. You've got to read a little bit more into it. Uh, Ryan Lewis, 30 and a, 38 and a half tackles. Jordan Whitehead has 36. And Tarish Webb has 28 and Whitehead has one fumble uh, forced. That's not good. That just means people see what's happening in your backfield, and they're just going to take advantage of it. They do have playmakers back there. I mean, Jordan Whitehead is a playmaker. Everybody they knows Jordan Head. Him. Whitehead was a playmaker last year. He's got nine carries on the year on the offensive side of the ball for 98 yards. He is a player. We talked about him last year as a true freshman. All ACC as a freshman. He can play. Ryan Lewis is a senior. He can also play. But for whatever reason, there's like a disconnect back there, and it's not working for them. Avante Maddox, a dangerous player, he has six tackles for loss as a defensive back. The issue with him is he might not play against Tech. He has some injury issues. We'll see what happens there. But 21 solo tackles, an interception, and three pass breakups, that's someone that we do not want on the field. Maddox and Whitehead, it's a lethal combination. I'm not exactly sure why they're – Defensive backs are as bad as they are. It really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Terrace Webb, Reggie Mitchell, like the names go on in their defensive backfield. These are all guys we talked about either in summer or last year. I'm not sure. Because Narduzzi took a nap this year. I don't don't know what is going on. He is a defensive mastermind, and this year he just fell asleep at the wheel, and he hasn't got everybody like up and running. So it's it's been a struggle for them overall on on the defensive side of the ball and their defensive tackles have been good against the run that's what i would actually say is that could be the one place that it could be they are they are good against the run i guess and it's funny if you look at their the advanced stats we're we're trashing their passing defense and yet in the s&p they're actually better in passing defense than rushing now and i think that's a one of the failures of advanced stats when it really comes down to it because that's based on passing downs and this and that. But what I'm thinking is that this whole defense isn't that good. And it's not typical of a Narduzzi defense. They're 122nd in, in red zone defense. So if teams get into the red zone, they score 95% of the time. Well, maybe more than that. <laughs> it, it's, it's ridiculous. 77% of the time, it's a touchdown and not a field goal. So if you get in the red zone versus Pitt, you should expect to score. That's how bad they've been. It, it, it really is weird to think of a Pitt team 
and be more worried about their offense than their defense. Yeah, it's going to be – this is going to be an interesting game because it's going to be on home, home turf, and to take it to a higher level, I think – and maybe we'll go keys to the game. You good with that? you have anything Let's else on it. defense? Gerard Evans needs to continue to be safe with the football. I've said that from day one. But he also needs to control the emotion of this team. Because this is a team that can put up more so, I think, at least based on the stats to year-to-date or this season, that this team can put up more points than the Miami team that we just faced. When they're on, they're playing very, very well. And once again, we still have not seen this team rebound. And that's what I want to see is get down two touchdowns, you rebound, you score three, you shut them down, and that's what's the question mark still, even after that Miami win, because we never had to rebound again in this game. I think Gerard Evans needs to control, and I think he's starting to control this offense and make it just very productive, a screw-you offense. I don't care what you do. I don't care what happens. I'm going to continue and try and put points on the board. I think Gerard Evans this year is having a sneaky, fantastic... He's putting up stats that are equivalent with almost everybody outside of Jackson. Like basically, Lamar Jackson, you're saying. Yeah. Outside yeah. of every, everybody else outside of Lamar Jackson, Gerard Evans has the, almost a stat line equal to them. It's true. Jackson has a ridiculous amount of touchdowns, but Gerard Evans is slowly starting to creep up into that top five level of just he puts points on the board whether it's passing or or running and in this game i really think the key is clearly going to be stopping their run over the past two years virginia tech has been very very good at stopping traditional ball carriers not running quarterbacks but if you're handing it off or you're pitching it you're done (laughs) exactly i mean if it's georgia tech if it's you know a little bit of run option if you give it to a ball carrier, we hem it in really good. It's when the scrambling happens that's our problem. Peterman can run a little bit. I'm not expecting to see a lot of it. And that gives me hope. The fact that they're a power rush first team, that gives me hope. And the fact that, you know, this secondary really has been garbage when it really comes down to it. I don't get it with the playmakers they have. But they haven't been good. They're not gelling. And I expect Evans' mid-range passing game to really pick his spots and do very well against this defense. Yeah, be careful with the football. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. I think he'll find his spots. And I love that Fuente has said from – it wasn't day one. It was from preseason. He said, we are going to pick the quarterback that protects the football most. Look at the stats of what he has done in protecting the football. One interception. He has two. One was not his fault. Right. He has one interception this year. And I like the fact that Fuente has stuck to his word in almost every respect of the game. And in this game, if you can, I think they can dismantle the secondary in the second half. It may not be the first half when everybody's amped up and things are happening and it's a home game. It's going to be the second half. But when Gerard Evans starts to unleash things, that's going to be, and or maybe he doesn't. That that's going to be the testament to this game. And that's what happened in Miami: is that it took a little while for us to 
it, not even get going, but for everything just to kind of come together. And I, I expected it to be the same way in Pitt. And all of a sudden, we're dominating the game. And that's what I expect to happen against Pitt as well. I, I, I'm a little fearful because of the road, because it's we haven't won in Pittsburgh since 1999. In <laughs> right. We've never won at Heinz, and we haven't won in Pittsburgh since 1999. You might recall that Michael Vick played for us back then. That's my hang-up, and it's just like the Carrier Dome. I'm worried about Pitt. They've got a lot of playmakers, but I'm almost more worried about this road mental test for our team. Can they get the plays in? Can they get the snaps off? Can they not make the small mistakes that happen on the road? Is that something that we're going to be able to be in control of in this game? That's really what I'm more worried about than actually competing because I'm looking at it and – I think this this defense is susceptible to exactly what Fuente likes to do, and I think our defense is gonna is focused on what they like to do. Well, and Hokey Joe bought us some car bombs beforehand, so that has to be a good That's sign. That's a good right? sign. Like, That's a good sign. We have to be good about that. It's it's gonna be a tough game. Pitt's a really good team. They're coached obviously very very well. We'll see what happens. I'm worried. I feel better after the resolve that we showed against Miami. And better because of what we did on the road against Syracuse. I don't think that Fuente is going to let that happen again. No, I don't think the player is going to allow that to happen again, which is even more. I think Fuente was not overlooking that. Fuente knows Dino Babers. He played against him yes. when he was at Memphis, and it was a high-scoring, tough game. I don't think Fuente overlooked that game. I think the players overlooked that game, and I don't think that's going to happen this time around, mostly because I think Fuente is going to put a foot up people's asses and say, last time you were on the road in a place that you shouldn't have won, you lost. So let's get it together. So I don't have a line on this game, but I'm going to project one, if you don't mind. I'm interested to see what you project. I, my my line projection is VT two and a half on the road. We'll see what it comes out on Monday, but neither Pitt doesn't play this weekend, mm-hmm. so I haven't looked at the line. This is only my guess, but my guess is VT minus two and a half. It's not that doesn't mean it's a pick 'em, but it's close. What do you like in this game, Robbie? Do you like so us we're against? going two and a half. Yeah. So on on the website, we're going to go put up two and a half spread. Uh, VT only because of the Miami game, and I'm probably pissing off counter to what the last. Po- I'm trying to be objective here, and what I think would actually happen. Last night, last night I saw a defense that was staggering. Like it, it was. I haven't seen that many sacks, eight sacks in the game, right? You have one player with you know, two and a half sacks for, or tackles for a loss. Like, it just was very, very nice on the defensive side of the ball with two of your playmakers out of the game. Right. Canem didn't even play, could you imagine? And you still put up eight sacks. So not because of the offense, because of the defense – and the way Bud Foster has just renewed what this defense can actually do, and he gets burnt by the, he gets burnt by running quarterbacks, and Nathan Peterman's not that, and I think it's going to come down to the defense. 
and I think we're going to exceed that. I am I'm very hesitant. You know, it's weird. I'm in this in-between spot because I made up the line, but I actually think it's going to be pretty close. <laughs> you just made, I threw I made up the line. I did, I did, but I think that's probably what it's going to be something close to. I think people think that Tech will win and Vegas is all about getting even money on either side. I actually think this could be like a 16-17 game. Like one of those really weird 2021 games where we win but we don't cover. I think Tech is going to win this game. <laughs> Go figure. But if you listen to all the things that we've said over the past few weeks, the way this team has played, what Pitt is showing on their defensive side of the ball, and the fact that while they have playmakers on offense, what they do leads directly into what we do well. I think that we're going to keep this close, but I think we're going to win. And I don't think – I actually am not sure it's going to be by three points. I think it could be like a 22-20 or, an, you know, a 17-15, something really strange. It's because of Heinz Field. Anytime you play Pitt, it, it, it's weird. It's weird every time. It's like the Carrier Dome. The only <laughs> two places that I'm scared to play in the entire country are Heinz and the Carrier Dome. And that's the thing. And that and that's the one reason I'll say, like, if we lose this game, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. But I do think we're going to pull out, by the skin of our teeth, a very close win. But I do want to balance everybody in recognizing that if we lose this game, and I hate to scare everybody. Oh, come on. We're screwed. No, it's you got to be honest, too. <laughs> We're screwed. That's not true. That is, it's going to be very tough for UNC to lose another game. They got to play Duke. They have to. It's a rivalry. Don't look at me like that. I'm looking at you like that. They also have to play NC State, and they're not bad. I'm not saying NC State. And that's on the road. But UNC is a pretty good team. I know. I don't think UNC is going to lose again. The fact is. So I hear you. I didn't say it before last week because I was so goddamn nervous about the Miami game that I thought, and especially since my wife was coming and she's a bad omen sometimes about Hey, about she got 1-0 and o last night. Yeah, she's 1-0 last night. She's, <laughs> you know, what, 1-3, in three, I guess, in, <laughs> in other games. But the, the whole point being that I don't want to – we're not going to allude – like take away from the fact that this is an extremely important oh, game. Oh, it's huge. This it's huge. could Don't dictate the entire mood, coastal. Yeah, confuse you that this is for all the marbles. Uh, this could dictate us playing Clemson in the ACC championship it can, game. And also, I feel that because of the way Miami was coming off two tough losses, that this might actually mean that we're legit. If we beat Pitt. I, I, and I know that sounds dumb, maybe, but, like, we've beaten good teams. We beat UNC. We beat Miami. But the circumstances of, under which we beat those two teams was questionable. Miami coming off two really tough games, UNC in a hurricane. If we beat Pitt on 10 days rest in their house, we're legit. And that means against James Conner, who again has shown himself to be an outstanding running back. He's a superhuman. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for a pit preview. We're not going to do picks right now because the games on Saturday have not happened, but thanks to the river mill for having us. We had a great time here. Thanks for hokey Joe and Ryan for stopping by. We had a really good time with them. Hit us on Twitter. It's two DVT. 
Gmail, 2DVT at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, advice for us. And thanks, as always, for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Until, what is it going to be, Sunday you think we'll do our review? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. It's going to have to be a Sunday review. Sunday night or Monday after Pitt. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.